All right. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He has. He does have the appearance of it, and it, it does look like that. So I. Yeah. I know that I you know that. I, I just. That statement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Check. Check. Good to go. All right, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome. Thank you. Well, you've already been here. Thank you for staying. Uh, good to see you again. Uh, we, had a, we had a lot in the text this week, and um, I'm, I'm going to spend my time a lot with the man uh, with leprosy. And I, I love that you drew that out of the text, the, his humanity and how Jesus saw him, not as, a, um, not as being what his disease said he was. And uh, because, let's, now that he saved us, he doesn't see us as our sin. We're called saints. We're in Christ. Uh, yes, we still sin, but we're redeemed sinners. That's what a, a saint is, this side of heaven. So there's a lot of really good stuff in here, so let's just jump right in. So here's the themes, and this is just primarily, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the man on the mat, and we'll just, I'm just going to open my Bible. I lost it. <laughs> ah, all right. Got it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, And for you online, I have, um, I'm not checking my phone and playing up here while we're doing this, but I do have uh, the, the email opened if you should have anything that you'd like to comment on or ask, and I'll check it uh, periodically as we go through. Leonard is handy with the mic. Um, with a mic, I actually have two mics. We should use both of them. Still on, yep. I'm going to actually, one mic on one side, one mic on the other. It's off, so when if any of you have a comment, uh, just hit that little button, and we'll get going. All right, so the themes today in today's text, um, uncleanness, our affirmities, Jesus' willingness, goodwill, and compassion, the necessity of prayer and solitude with God, and that's just, that's just in the, uh, the five verses about the uh, story about the leper. Um, and so, the necessity of prayer, we should pray before we get into this, right? Um, pray on the outset. I, th I believe in prayer parentheses, <laughs> um, en encapsulating both ends of the things that you're doing with prayer, and, and, uh, and if you want to pray through, go ahead, pray without ceasing. So, Father, as we get into this, thank you for the opportunity that we have to open your word and just to let your truth into the room, and may it be more than in the room, but may it be more than in our ears. May it get as far as our hearts where only truth can reach. Uh, and in that place, do your work. Thank you, Spirit, that you are active in this, causing it, bringing it about, empowering it. May it be the same as I speak. Um, may I not say what I want to. May I say what you want to. May we not hear as we want to. But may we listen according to the power of God. Jesus, thank you. For allowing us to see these wonderful things in your word, in your actions, your being. For your wonderful name we pray. Amen. All right, so while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. All right, so leprosy is this is a modern day uh, definition, a bacterial infection that causes skin lesions. Um, also affecting eyes, the lining of the nose at times, causing deep tissue nerve damage, reducing sensation, and causing weakness in limbs, uh, resulting in disfigurement and disablement if left unchecked. This is a modern-day definition. Today, treatment begins early. Leprosy still exists. Um, it's a very rare disease today, but it's still present in the world. Um, but today, it's treatable if, the, if it's met early on. Um, diagnosed and it's curable today even with access to professional medica medical care. Back then, it was quick social death and it was slow physical death. The effects were 
physical, social, and psychological, as Leonard hit today. Uh, physical, it's contagious and had no cure. It's a disease where essentially your body starts decomposing while you're still alive. And you're not keeping any friends with people who don't also have this disease, especially in that time. And if you loved your family, you wouldn't allow them to help you because what it meant for them too. Um, because the risk it meant, you'd be passing a death sentence to them if it was actual leprosy. There's a, there's a lot of things in scripture that the Bible uses the word leprosy for that aren't actual leprosy. Um, it'd be social. It makes one unclean. Um, in most any culture then, but especially in a Jewish culture and law, it would have made you unclean. And Leviticus just says this, just two verses from 13, verse 45 and 46. A leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes to wrap themselves and keep their skin covered and let their hair, the hair on his head hang loose and shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as, as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So this shows how God protects his people as a whole. It sounds cruel. It sounds harsh. Um, but God exists outside the camp, even where the people are. And so he's, it's not as if they're alone. This is God helping his people to be socially responsible. Yes, he was taken where the unclean were dealt with. There's some cross references in there for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He was taken outside the camp. Um, and ultimately, if this text offends you, in Levit Leviticus, you can remember that first, because we, this is where we see the gospel uh, meeting this Old Testament, is in Jesus going outside the camp for us, and we'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, this man could have had actual leprosy. It, I, I, it, it does. It says he was full of leprosy. and It's a general term in Scripture that could also mean psoriasis, lupus, or ringworm. Um, either way, uh, people wouldn't have taken the risk if they saw something on you like this. He didn't just have it. The text says he was full of it. That's significant. Uh, for his remaining days, he would have had to resort to begging and even stealing to survive. No one's going to give you a job. Um, lepers at that time were unclean, untouchables. They were all but euthanized. And they were commonly quarantined off to live in isolated communities. There's stories of big pits being dug or used, canyons where these people would be kept, where, the, where they would go. And also psychological. We saw physical, we see social, we see psycho psychological effects of carrying this disease. Leprosy is often called the disease that shuns levels of isolation from society, but even family and friends and, reject and rejection that would cripple you and I. Um, I couldn't imagine, or I could only imagine, rather. Um, so we can infer his helpless state and hopeless mindset. And when, he saw uh, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him. So he takes the humble position. And I don't know what this man's understanding of God is, I don't know how much, how full his understanding of Christ was. All we know is that when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, as the text just said. And that's enough. If that's all we knew about this man, it's enough. Um, and it tells us this. Um, it's not the quantity of your faith. In progressive um, prosperity churches today, it's all, this didn't happen because you didn't have enough faith. It's not a quantity thing. It's not a quality thing either. You can have weak faith and still be faithful. Thank God. I would fall hard into that boat. Um, but it's not the quantity, it's not the quality as much. It's the object of the faith that God is looking after. When Jesus makes the statement in Matthew 28, and, or Matthew uh, 8, 26, and in Matthew 17, 20, he gives the, the disciples, it's almost like their nickname that follows the, them around, you have little faith. When he says that, it sounds like a quantity thing. 
but it's actually him saying, you have far too low of a view of God. Joe? Yep, Mike. Uh, I can't say it without Would you consider faith as a gift? I would consider faith a gift, yes. I think Ephesians 2 makes that place, that, uh, that claim. I personally would, maybe not everybody would. Um, I'm not saying that's the view of everybody here. But I would, it's my personal, like this here, Bible here. Uh, but I get it from the book. Uh, my understanding of Ephesians 2 is even the faith that we have to believe is a gift to us because faith is a second cause. We, uh, there's, no, there's no faith if there's not a first cause. And for faith to be, God has to show himself to us. So we need something to put our faith in. And so when he shows himself to us via his word, the gospel message that's him showing us himself to us this day and our faith is given through that um, and as one who loves knowledge it staggers and encourages me to say that this man's faith consisted perhaps only of hearsay about Jesus he was in the streets he heard the news he heard the the uh the verbal headlines that were moving through the streets. Um, and I think it tells us that simply, and he did see Jesus, there's that too, but his react, he, we had some kind of knowledge in place to make his feet advance Jesus. Simply looking at Jesus in faith is more salvific than a library of knowledge about him. In faith, Leonard, I like uh, the definition that you put on it earlier. I think it aligns with Hebrews 1 pretty well uh, when the Bible gives its definition of faith. Uh, what, could you say that again? Um, faith is... Um, uh, it, it, I got ten different ways in my head. Gotcha, man. Uh, Faith is a bold move into an unknown future based on reliable information. Right. Faith is a bold move into an uncertain future based on reliable information. Um, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things unseen. Uh, the, the hope of what it... Uh, let's just read it. Let's go there. I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> Hebrews 11.1, 1, just the first verse in Hebrews 11. I love Hebrews 11. It's like the Bible's greatest hits. Yeah. I got a new Bible. I'm still, the pages are still, uh, haven't bent to my will yet. All right. Um, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. We need to define hope if we're going to define faith because we see hope as, oh, I, I hope it happens, but it's, uh, the Bible uses the word hope as in this is a sure thing. The Bible is, oh, we'll get to that a different time. The conviction of things not seen, all right? So faith believes when, based on the evidence it has, so that in the uncertainty, Faith believes in the evidence it has, reliable evidence, uh, in the uncertainty in the present or the future. So we can be f certain about the things of God, and it's enough for confidence now. Is that a good way to say that? All right. That, that, that yeah. speaks to me for sure. Yeah. I, I kind of like to know the land of the land. Mm -hmm. And so if I travel, I, I like to get the map and I want to know everything about where yeah. I'm going. Even when I came here, I like researched the area. You know? I heard stories about you walking around. Yeah. 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 So, you know, part of it is because I, I don't want to proceed unless I know. Yeah. And what that basically says is you're not going to know yeah. everything, mm -hmm. but you got to trust the one who does. Yeah. And we don't need to know everything, but we need to be faithful to what we know. That's what faith is. Did none of us at the beginning of our faith know how it all works, do we? Do we, any of us know how it all works now? <laughs> yeah. So thank God that it's just being faithful to what you know of Christ. Um, so it's more important for us to have knowing than knowing about. 
Um, we need know we need more knowing and him knowing us more than knowing about and we need knowing about at least in hearing so that we can know we need to have these an informed we want you to have an informed faith not a blind faith a lot of teaching just especially in western culture right now where that's flip-flopped that let go and let god and some of you are like, Ugh, I hope he never heard me say that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> let go and let God. Yeah, that's a, that's a famous saying. Um, well, no, I wouldn't get over it. Yeah. Uh, I guess you could qualify it by saying, yeah. let go of your self will and let God's will work for your life. Yes. Um, that, that I agree with. Yeah, that, that, if you look at it that way, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's the kind of like going as God that is, yeah. And that's kind of foolish. Yeah, yeah. So it depends on what context you say it in. Yeah. Um, This man, as little as he probably knew about Christ, it brought him down to his face. He's desperate, but faith hopes in a way that's more than maybe that he might heal me. Could have been just the hearsay in the street, and he saw Jesus. Like, this is the guy. I'm never going to have another chance again if he walks past me. That kind of desperate, I'm going to put everything into this moment and just take his leap of faith, so to speak, and advance Jesus here in the street or where, where, they're, at, where they're at in, the, in whatever city doesn't tell us. Um, so he sees Jesus first. So there's your cause which creates his affecting advance. We have a microphone. I don't need it. I'm, I have a lot of knowledge. I think we're, we're picking up with the shotgun. Do you we're picking up okay. I hope you guys online can hear. Um, I you know, find I'm it on. very fascinating mm-hmm. that every single time that I've read the Bible, let's say the flaw is something that I haven't or you guys know of, that when God helps people or he heals these people or he's doing things, that these people are their last wits that they are at the bottom. Yeah. And I seem to want to keep going back to Rachel, be humble, Rachel, be humble. Don't allow the things to get centered in your life to take away that faith from you. Mm-hmm. Because when you're not centered on that, and I think when everything's taken away, what else do you have? Yeah. I mean, it's so much easier in that way as a baby to have faith in the Lord because there's nothing there taking it away. So I think as we grow and we get things and we evolve in this world and we're doing things, we need to remember that to be, everything has to be taken away to have that faith, that true onlook on him. Yeah. Does that make Oh, that makes absolute sense. God knows what it takes for us to need him, so if he will let us fall to the very bottom of the stairs in order for us to have that realization. Because when we hit bottom and don't have much, all we have to do is reach up. Um, yeah. I was just going to say uh, what it said. He, um, he, he let everything go. I, I feel like he said he let everything go uh, and just came before Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I sort of agree with you that... Um, Sometimes we have to truly let go of things in order for him or for the spirit to step in to, uh, and I felt that he didn't have anything else. That his, uh, his, his disease, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. His disease had kind of taken everything from him, but he still could have held a tremendous pride in him. This disease seemed to humble him to the point where, um, he went to the only one who could do anything about it. Because even if we have everything taken from us, and even if we're at rock bottom, the sad thing is, many people will stay there. Well, we still have to eat. Yeah, that's good I news. Mean, we still have to. Yeah. And no matter what, if we're letting go, we're not letting go of, of the word. We're just yeah. letting go of the constraints of the world. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how we're so resistant to let him help us. 
um, because we don't want to drop the things that we love. <laughs> and, it's, and that's rock bottom is kind of shows us where what's firm and what's sand has that effect. Um, there's a lot we can say about that. <laughs> now I got my things, got things yeah, rolling behind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good stuff to go, though. I don't know. Yeah. If we want to say more about it, I'll, I'll pause here. Yeah. Well, okay, so I, I thought about comparison between Theophilus, who had social consequences as a, as a Roman elite, and all of the social groups that he would have to do business with and be a part of, and if they said, you know, you're a follower of Jesus, He's going to have to say, yeah, I am. Mm -hmm. And it may cost him a lot. Yeah. And with the leper, the social consequence was, well, who, who are you to step out of line and engage with people? And you can just imagine the insults, the piling on, even the rock throwing. And so there's always like pain yeah. connected to making that commitment. And he didn't seem to care. He let it go. Yeah. 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 And what, what what I think Luke is hoping ultimately, because I think a lot of this is directed towards the office's concerns, is that you're in that kind of social status where you're at the higher up level. There are a lot of things that are going to be challenged because you're not playing by the rules anymore, and you got to one by one dismantle that and say mm -hmm. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth. It. I got to let it go. Got to let it go. And I and I think that's kind of. Yeah. It's a varying amounts in each person's relative, but we all have the same same issue. Alright, so just like Peter, remember last week? Uh, he saw Jesus' authority and power. After seeing this, Peter and this man went from knowing about to knowing. Peter had a lot more information than this man had. He's, he'd heard him preach before. But they both went from knowing about to knowing, and it takes them to the ground in his presence. Peter, because of his sinfulness. This man, because of his uncleanness. So they both had different reasons, but it's the same person they're coming in front of. And just a note, um, I thought this was just worth mentioning. Being on our knees doesn't automatically make God responsive to us. You know, um, God sees our motives clearer than you can see your hand. And but taking this position comes from a humbled response that's beheld the power and authority of God. Uh, I know I can be on my knees, but also unsubmitted in my heart. Or submitted in a position externally, but indifferent in my heart. Um, and also, Christ's people can be submitted in their hearts, bowed in their hearts, but on their feet or bed or walking their dog or driving. And sometimes intentionally going to our knees humbles us, taking a position as a weapon of action against a haughty spirit. So you can fight against the haughtiness in yourself by, no, I am going to go. He's worthy of that, Paul says. He does. It's a way of fighting sometimes too. Lord, this man says. So we know he knows this much. Knowing who Jesus, is, who Jesus is is essential to salvation. Lord, if you will, this if highlights this man's unworthiness. It doesn't doubt Jesus' ability or kindness. You can make me clean. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He didn't see Jesus as another option, but the only option. Jesus isn't a point in a moral life, he's the point of all life, being himself. Life. Verse 13, and this is where I'm going to spend the bulk of remaining time. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. And Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, his hand, touched him. This would have gloriously repulsed everybody there. Uh, think about how you avoid a little bee because it can sting you. 
contact with this guy could kill you. Being avoided doesn't feel good. Being avoided can destroy our souls. You catch on that someone's avoiding you. Someone's canceled you. Especially today when this is happening and happening and happening. And soon everything's going to be canceled. It's worth it to get canceled for Christ. I'd wear that as a badge. I actually have a, on my bucket list, I want to be, I want to be considered a suppressive person by the Church of Scientology. That might not be on all of your bucket lists, but it's on mine. The Jehovah Witnesses already avoid my house, so. <laughs> Let's grow the list. Um. <laughs> yeah. And, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um. Christ doesn't walk past this hopeless case. He doesn't keep going when this guy stops him. Um, because of Christ, we know that at least the least of these and the hard cases are not hopeless cases. Christ, Christianity, and the Christian, the church, are to go into the places where society deems untouchable. Is that what Christ is doing right here? Where society deems untouchable, forgotten, and canceled? That's our mission field. But first, look at Christ's mission. The Apostle Paul is called the greatest missionary our faith has ever had. And that's true. But I think that one belongs to Jesus too. <laughs> Paul came from Tarsus and went all over the place. Jesus came from heaven and he's everywhere now. Uh, but look at Christ's mission because we need to see something here. This is, here's a gospel. Within Romans 3 alone, we see this diagnosis of the great human sin condition and it says, none is righteous, all have turned away or from God. Uh, none do good or understand or seek or fear God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's our diagnosis. That means that skin disease or not, we are all untouchable to a holy, good, distinct, and separate God. Like it's not, it should be more scandalous to us that he would touch this man not because of his leprosy, but this, that his holy God would touch a sinner. That's a bigger scandal than the leprosy, once you see God. Uh, yeah. Leviticus 13 and 14. It really is more about the uncleanness, the original uncleanness. Not, the, the leprosy is sort of like, it's sort of like the symptom of the thing that But there's some points in here that the Bible's starting to make, and I'm glad we did both these texts today. Uh, so it's not it's it's a scandalous grace of God that Jesus would embrace any of us. Um, this text isn't just scandalous because Jesus touches a very contagious and deadly leper, but because he involves himself with any of us. Uh, what is leprosy next to sin? Leprosy was going to kill this man, but sin in, infects and affects the entire human race. And it has no place in God's presence. Think of the grace that he allowed to us to put our sinful hands on him. That his sinless hand would reach out to a sinner. Think of the punishment that brings us peace with God was on him who knew no sin, who became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. We betrayed, beat, and pierced him with our touch. He embraced us with his. Think of the magnitude of the fact that he loves us first, that he loved us first. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. we were still hostile like Colossians says think of how in spite of all this our prayers still touch his ear and heart no wonder the song in heaven sings about him being worthy 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 of all praise Rich I was wondering if we were to go to prayer with the attitude of if you are willing I know you can maybe we wouldn't be disappointed where we get our 
Mm, yeah, that's good. If we, if, if you, you didn't hear that online, if we could go to prayer, uh, go into prayer with the mindset of, I'm. If you are willing. If you are willing. I know that you can. I know that you can. You wouldn't be disappointed we, when we didn't get out. We didn't dis get disappointed. We wouldn't be disappointed when he doesn't give mm -hmm. what we were asking for, because his will is better than our prayer. Yes. Yeah. Can I can I comment on that? That's a part of the sermon that I didn't I didn't really take time to develop. But the question is, you know, God, you didn't answer my prayer the way I thought you would. Why? If you say ask anything. And so as a pastor, I pray for people, and you know, I've seen things happen like arrhythmias get normal and different things have been kind of subtle, nothing hugely dramatic, but clearly God was involved in it. And pray for things that had to do with over time, I saw God work. There are times when you pray and you don't seem to see anything happening. And what I think is going on, I think the text kind of brings it out. God sometimes leaves us in that, that, that state of struggle because his primary concern is our character, not the miracle per se. But he's trying to transform us into the likeness of Christ. And you can have a miracle, you can pray for miracles and be really a wretched Christian, even mm -hmm. though you might have something dramatic. And that's really, I think, what Luke is, Jesus is trying to avoid here, as Luke tells it. But whenever you look at, it's always a point back to your sins. That's sort of a character God thing. Like, how are you working on being transformed? Because I know I've had painful seasons where I'm like, God, just take this away from me. And then you come out of it and you're like, thank you for that season. I needed that. Because it did something inside of me that I needed. Yeah. A change occurred. I guess that's how I wrestled with that pastoral. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have time to really, uh, there's just so much. Yeah, here. Yeah. I'm like skimming the surface and thinking, gosh, I wish I could dig, dig in here. And that's why I'm kind of curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Brought to mind the one you know um, day that we had read in our devotions that even Jesus prayed to God and sometimes and he knew the answer that he had to fulfill the being on the cross but he still asked God in the Gethsemane you know if it's your will take this cup from me yeah he kind of, he knew his role but and he knew probably the answer but God in His own way did answer him by giving him more strength mm -hmm. through the angel that so even though you don't get what you want he does give you the strength yeah and he, if, he gives you the strength to endure his will when his will goes that way yeah. and sometimes it does for us for Chris Joe Yes, and, and, uh, and if you didn't hear, uh, it sometimes his, we'll get to that one, especially when they talk about John the Baptist being in prison. Um, um, the Lord's will is the best way to go. It's rarely the easy way. Tremendously um, difficult thing. To endure it, but he'll give you the strength to endure it. He promises that. Um, yeah, yeah. Even things that hurt us decades ago still sting today, and especially with death. And that's but the Christian is the only one who can say to death, "Where is your sting? That problem is resolved." As much as it hurts. Jesus 
with God, or they wouldn't be attacking him like he did. Yeah. Jehovah's Witnesses have a different gospel. The Pharisees don't have the full message. If we don't have Jesus, I think we're left in our sins. There's a lot of religion out there that only talks about, like, let's say, we're a nation under God. Mm -hmm. But when you look around the country, you realize a lot of times Jesus isn't even there. So that's an important doctrine that I think that the leper in his heart, I know he didn't say it in scripture, but he called the Lord. Mm-hmm. I think in his heart he knew that was God. And the Pharisees didn't want to. Yeah. The, yes. Um, I want to say about the Jehovah Witnesses. They don't believe that he's God. No, they. He's they, the son of God or something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah, that he's so, us. Yeah. I know we were laughing, but. It's yeah. It's we love them, but they're wrong. Um, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is who he he is as revealed by the scripture. They have a different scripture. Uh, we can get into that so much. Uh, they have a, essentially they have a different just uh, scripture. Their leader Charles Taze Russell did not fully understood the tr- understand did not understand the Trinity, and so he developed this whole thing that we see today, the Watchtower, uh, Jehovah's Witnessism, and he he went off the deep end pretty far. Yeah, there are a lot of people with him. It could be a comma. Mm-hmm. What's it that? It could be a comma in their scripture. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. Keep it going. Um, So all this is why we go where no one else goes. Because Jesus touched whom no one else would. This is why um, sometimes the last person you want to involve yourself with is the first, you want to involve yourself with is the first person you need to love, knowing God didn't embrace us any, with any less resistance than he embraced this leper. Uh, whom we are no different from or better than. He doesn't hesitate with us as much as we do with him. He's the pursuing and advancing God. So I have no reason why he would treat us how we don't deserve and give us such grace and mercy. I have no reason for you for that. But he does. He's just that good. It's the indescribable love of Christ. And we get to look into that for eternity. And what's we'll understand it no better ten thousand years from now, but we'll still be basking in it, enjoying it. Peace that surpasses all understanding from the love that does. What keeps us from this advancing? How couldn't it be pride? The same thing at work in us not to want to answer questions like this out loud. What keeps us from advancing? Um, the message of Jesus Christ is that he's the one hope, the only hope for sinners whom he came to save. It's the church's great calling as humbled sinners turned saints, made saints, to share this message, and to love as he does, walking in holiness as he does, but in repentance as we must. Um, 1 John 4, you don't have to go there, I'm just going to read it, but if you'd like to, 1 John 4, 7, this is where uh, our mission statement is. Well, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whomever loves has been born of God and knows God. End of our mission statement is committed to one another. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. There's the middle of our devotion, of our mission statement devoted to Christ. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our, our sins. And there's the beginning of our mission statement, love by God. Love by God, devoted to Christ, committed to one another.
and early Christians believed this so much in the Romans, especially the Roman soldiers who stood by, were, uh, saw the Christians as being so other because as the ch early church unfolded in that time, in the first hundred or so years of the church, like think Book of Acts and after early church, uh, the Christians were the people in the community who were actually going to the lepers, to those communities and involving themselves. They believed this message of this gospel so much that that's what happened. That, okay, if I get it, to die is gain, <laughs> as Paul would say. If you, we're going to go over today. We just are a little bit. If you have to go, you can. <laughs> uh, um, you've heard of Bob... We didn't start till a quarter after, that's right, so I'm going to stop at a quarter after, <laughs> maybe. Um, Bob Goff, have you ever heard of him? He wrote the book Love Does, you've heard that, read that? Uh, I don't know the full story, but there were these shamans in the jungle uh, in this place, and these guys were bad news, and uh, they were castrating little kids for their rituals, and everybody was running from them. Everybody was running out of the jungles. It was just them in there. No one was there to help them. Bob Goss says, no, I'm going to run into the jungle. Christians do these things. Now, we don't have a lot of jungles around here, but we got neighbors. We got friends. We got people who we interact with at work. We got, that's our mission field. In the time and place that God has placed you, be active in that time and that place with the gospel ready on your mouth. And so maybe today I didn't put this in the action steps, but just we need to know the gospel so much because it's the message that saves. You don't go into a, a sword. <laughs> you don't go into a battle with no. Yeah. We, a lot of times we invite people to church, you know, and that's good. We should. Uh, but the call is, and you should be specific in your understanding, it's not to come so much to church. We, we say that and we get them here. <laughs> but it's to come to Christ. They can do that in your dining room with you or sitting at your table or at a at Starbucks. We don't have one of those around here, but you know, get it, where you're at with them. And be ready with the gospel. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will. I will meets this man's desperate need for reassurance. Just like, don't be afraid, reassured Peter. Saying, I will be clean. Be clean, uh, just like let there be light. Jesus tells the light to exist in Genesis. Calls it into existence. The same voice here commands the disease out of existence and preserves his host. Be clean. In a gospel note, he does, he does the same thing with our sin. When he forgives us, past, present, and future sins resolved in the cross of Christ. So when we sin, um, after we've been saved, we'll feel differently about it. But we need to remember quickly, and, and, and we should, we should despair. But not to the point where we forget the gospel. Because we, we despair with a hope when we sin. When the, so when the devil comes convicting, saying, you did this, this, and this, and you'd be like, I sure did, but he paid for it. And immediately... The leprosy left him. The disease responds immediately to the creator's touch. And he charged him to tell no one. So before being openly heralded as the Messiah, Jesus needed the full story to be heralded. So he needed to go through the cross and the resurrection. Because it's kind of weird. He tells people not to say anything about him, which never works. Uh, but the, they need the full story. He hasn't gone through the cross yet. He hasn't paid for sins. The message is, at this point, is I'm here. I'm speaking. Our message now is he came, he spoke, he died. He rose again. He paid for sins. And rose for eternal life. That's our message. I'm going to skip this next part, actually, because I just want to focus on... Um, Oh, there's good stuff, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Um, yeah. I was preparing for this, and I'm like, 
And he charged him to tell one, to, to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest. In Leviticus law, uh, in Leviticus 13 and 14, those with leprosy would have to first uh, present themselves to the priest uh, in that day in the, when it was first delivered, Aaron or one of his sons, priests or priests, to be examined and be deter- and, a, to deter- and a determination be made if this person was unclean or not by the priest. If the disease was deeper than the skin, unclean, and rejection for seven days after that. Um, at the end of which it was re-examined. So it, if, if week after week it keeps spreading, the disease doesn't keep getting better, then it's finalized as a case of leprosy. If the rash turns white, it's healing. Um, but if it's raw flesh, it's active, and, and that one is unclean. All right, so, and he charged him to go tell, uh, to tell no one, go show yourself to the high priest to make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses prescribed, Levit- Leviticus, or a proof to them, or a testimony. Luke and Jesus not only present the gospel, but back it up. Uh, this man's healing was thorough, uh, or he was thoroughly cleansed um, without a seven-day period. This was instant. Um, according to the law, he would have had to continually present himself to the priest for continued rejection if it kept continuously getting worse. Uh, now, after Jesus had touched them, there was nothing left to be cleansed from. Jesus took it all. I hope you realized how... Did that with my sin too. Jesus paid it all. Uh, the priests and, a, and affected persons now were responsible back in Leviticus days for the performing of this laborious cleansing process. If you go read Leviticus 14, you'll be tired just reading it, let alone they had to continue doing those things. Um, and so proof, a proof of what? Of the truth about Jesus. Jesus proves himself to be every bit of who he says he is, Messiah God. By sending this man, it's as if he's saying, for as a proof for them, can you deny this man's healing? This man, remember at the beginning of the text, he was full of leprosy, yeah? Now, completely cleaned. So can you deny this? By Jesus sending this man to them, he's telling the Pharisees, can you deny this man's healing? Why do you deny me? So if only they would see the real problem and know that they're no better than this one whom was rejected, neither are we, and need to be cleansed, clean spiritually as Jesus made this man physically. And that's why the next text is so great. Uh, Because it doesn't say anything about this man's salvation. Jesus will address that next because now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and be healed of their infirmities, but he would often withdraw uh, to desolate places and pray. So now that he was outed so much, he had to intentionally go and withdraw. Um, and I have a lot about that, but not a lot of time. So. Yeah, when the Pharisees did not see that, well, obviously they didn't see that, or they seen it, but didn't want to accept it, I guess, that he yeah. healed and did all this stuff where he doesn't, is that because the devil basically blinds them and they're into that too much? They don't see it. Because in today's world, we want to go, why don't you see what we see, right? As Christians, we want to go, well, I don't see why you don't see what, I, what I'm looking at. Like, why can't you see the scriptures coming true and this is everything that's going out? Yeah. But then maybe they're blinded by the devil or... Are they just into so much stuff they just can't? There's a lot of different ways to answer that. Um, your school of theology kind of plays a role in it, so I would be careful. Uh, he, the entire world is under the sway of the devil. The Bible says that. It also says that God knows how to keep those who ultimately rejecting and keeping, staying rejected. Uh, are keep keep them rejected. So you gotta God's sovereignty plays a role in this too. If you go read Second Peter chapter two, he'll talk about that. Um, so yeah, the devil plays a role in in keeping us under his sway and keeping us from the truth. And our flesh also does the same thing. Like we should be 
we shouldn't say that everything is the devil's fault because that negates taking that negates us taking responsibility for what our own flesh can do perfectly fine without the devil's sway. So I don't know how active the devil was in these Pharisees, but their flesh is definitely active because they could Jesus put them in a position with this guy, which was undeniable. So they had to intentionally reject him. I think that the reason why that was written that way was to set up for the future when Revelations comes and it says that Jesus Christ is going to come down off the clouds and there's still going to be people who are here on earth that are going to die. Yeah. Set us up to know yeah. that even your heart is that your heart has to be that hardened yeah. to be able to see him come down and still go. That is enough. Yeah. Well, just like when he's. Uh ascending up in the, we just talked about this in the other meeting, uh, when he's ascending, it's, the text says, like, he's floating up in the air, I think we got the right guy, and, and the text says, and some doubted. Yeah, it's like, is it hard, is it hard, hard, <laughs> or, that's why I keep going yeah. back to, is it hard, or is it yeah. the devil, or is it? This is kind of how I see it. Um, in Luke, there's a tension that's starting to, that is just beginning between uh, Jesus and the, the Pharisees and the scribes, and then there, after Luke um, uh, 21, it, it centers on the priest, the, the high priest. But basically, what it is, is they've taken the law, capital L, and then they've made a bunch of laws, lowercase l, and Jesus addresses this in the Sermon on the Mount where he says, you have heard it said, but I say, and then he ends that, that, that part of the Beatitudes with the statement, you know, I haven't come to, to abolish the law and the prophets, but I've come to fulfill them. And what I think has happened is, is they've created so much static by all of these lowercase laws that it's become such a burden that you can't even see the reason why the law was there in the first place. So when Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the law, the word is pleroma, which means everything about the trajectory of my life and my intention is in alignment with what the law's intended, only I'm the completion of it. Mm -hmm. And then Paul talks about it in Romans 10.4, where he says Christ is the goal of the law. And so the confrontation centers on how they've taken the law and created a whole apparatus of policies, I mean, it's kind of like American case law. I mean, if we step out the door, we've broken the law. If a lawyer and somebody's mad enough at us, they'll find some way to nail us. And that was kind of going on, and Jesus is basically saying, I'm cutting through all of this bureaucracy so that we can get to the reason why we have the law in the first place. So you see how all of that confusion in like, like in the Beatitudes where it says, you have heard it said, you have heard it said, you have heard it said. He's really trying to dismantle all of that so that the people can see with clarity what God's purpose is to begin with. Now, Rich and I talked about this a little bit, and I kind of maybe overstated it in a way during the message that I need to clarify. When I, when I said that Jesus um, was lawless, I meant lowercase l. Like, he, did, he wasn't on board with that set of constraints that they were loading on everybody. But uppercase L, he honored the law to the letter. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that, you know, you have to keep in mind. So if, you, if he's playing by the book, they're not. Yeah. Um, but the last thing I want is for people to walk out here and say, Jesus had no respect for law. He does, just not the nonsense that was being created. I guess that would be mine. Yeah, that's good. That's good to clarify that too. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he never breaks the law. He he adds to it because he has the authority to do so. Like he says, "You have heard it said, you shall not mur uh, you shall not murder.' But I tell you, do not. The one who is angry in his heart against his brother has already committed murder. So he takes it and he he adds to it." He, t he tells you where, where murder starts. Same with adultery and lust uh, and other things. So he has the authority to do that. Uh, and this is what it's meant the whole time. Luke will run into that with the, um, with the eating, eating grain on the Sabbath. He's actually expanding on the law there. 
Yeah. And we'll get into that we'll later. Get, yeah. yeah. But he's, he's still following, because what, like in Paul, it says, Romans uh, in 10 4, Christ is the goal of the law, meaning that everything that Christ does fulfills the intention behind why the law was written in the first place. And when he, when he elaborates on like the, mm -hmm. the eating on the Sabbath, he's, he's in compliance with that. Yeah. With that original intention. Yes. He. he he, he, he preaches the original tent that God had for giving the law in the first place that we took too much liberty with or um, we came to our own conclusions and didn't take it to the text. Yeah. He also had the authority to clean the leper of his disease. Mm -hmm. Nobody else could have done it. Yeah, the mouth of the creator spoke, be clean. Nobody could do it, only him. Yeah. Amen. We need him to do that drawing in and opening of eyes, that sovereign grace giving so that we don't end up like the Pharisees so that we don't end up like when people are literally seeing him go back into heaven and the heaven opens up and there's... Think about it this way. Um, some churches, maybe you guys remember that, you, you couldn't come here if you didn't wear a suit and tie or you did it um, or you went to the movies R-rated or whatever. I'm not saying here, but I'm just saying some churches. There's a whole lot of rules that basically are understood. If you're doing that, then you're obviously a sinner. And what it boils down to is legalism. And, you know, so if you're inviting somebody to the church for the purpose of knowing the Lord, and the Lord, and, and the personality of the Lord is coming through the body in a way that says we got a bunch of rules here, and so um, you better clean up your act next time you come here. And, um, and, and and you see Jesus basically overriding all that with love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Speaking then of I know we're going the scripture to where he tells the Pharisees, you put burdens on people. Yeah, that are, They're yeah. not from God, they were man-made rules. Yeah, and yeah. And they accuse them of putting these burdens on You tie a burden to burden. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you want to say Matthew 23? When Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, the yoke is actually the teaching of the rabbi. That's what that means. So that, 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 was, their, that was their reference when, you know, because we think about, oh, you're going to help me with my problems. But really what he's saying is, my teachings are my yoke. And it's easy as burden is light. And, you know, we, he concludes the Sermon on the Mount with, um, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor. I mean, that's not a hard yoke, but it's hard to do. Because being a Christian is hard because it involves being humble. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's not natural. Yeah, that's not our natural no. position. I know we're going over. I'm going to just read the action step from this and then run through the text. And then we'll close. Five minutes. Um, so action step from this. Uh, praise God that he doesn't overlook the unclean because we wouldn't be here if he didn't. Uh, so who have we been overlooking, avoiding, seeing their needs, and walking by? So ask for eyes like his to see what he does. Be cured of prideful, fearful neglect. Maybe it's an enemy of yours, the worst, who Jesus tells us to love. Maybe it's that everyone has a family, has one in their family kind of person. Maybe it's them. Pray for their joy. Pray for an open door and boldness to love them, knowing that what Colossians 1, uh, what Colossians 1, 21 through 23 says, you who were once alienated and hostile in your mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled you by his body of flesh, by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless, clean record, and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. In the next text, and we'll just end with this text right here. I'm not going to say too, too much about it, just we're going to run through it. Um, but he would often... So a lot of people, so this next one begins with 15 and 16, having said, 
and a lot of people became, uh, and the crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. I didn't get to go into that too much, but it's significant. Jesus has to go into desolate places, take time, and find solitude with God. We're no different. On one of those days, he was teaching Pharisees, or he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judah and from Jerusalem. So that's a pretty big vicinity. They're coming from everywhere, so Jesus is obviously making a splash already. Um, and the power of the Lord was in him to heal. It means it was the Lord's intent. And because, and behold, some men who were, uh, some, some men were bringing a bed, bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. A man, I like how Leonard uh, emphasized, emphasized that earlier. A man who was paralyzed, not just a paralytic. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. So, uh, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowds, so this flash Jesus is making his drawing, uh, with his bed through, uh, the, they went up on the roof and let him down uh, through the tiles in, the midst, in their midst before Jesus. So their faith found a way to Jesus. Even when uh, Jesus wasn't coming to them, he came to them. Maybe there's something in there too. Jesus said, I will not, by no means cast out any who come to me. Um, and they were on the roof, and they let him down with his bed through the tiles in their midst, so just in this r room somewhere. They would have had to heard the, something in the roof as Jesus is tinkering, as Jesus is teaching. They would have heard their tinkering, rather. Um, and when he saw their faith, he said, man, calls him a man again, um, your sins are forgiven you. He doesn't even say anything yet. He's obviously, this is a man on a mat. Uh, man on a mat. He can't get in there himself. He can't just walk in and say, hey, Jesus, I got a bum leg. No, he's got bum lower half. Okay, um, so the scribes and Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this that speaks blasphemies? Okay, because they know one thing, only God can forgive sins. Uh, and I don't think they're, they're they, I mean, yeah, the Pharisees get a rap, bad rep for all these really good, bad rep reasons. Uh, but this is a good thing to question. Uh, who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, yeah, they have a criticizing heart towards Jesus, not a questioning one. Jesus was, will gladly answer your questions. If you come before him, and there, you don't need to be afraid with the things that you have in your heart. You can be completely honest. God is not mocked. He already knows anyway. Um, so when Jesus perceived their thoughts, you see, their intent is to criticize him with this. Uh, so when Jesus perceived their thoughts, that's how God moved to, he heard them, or he answered them, why do you question into your, in your hearts? <laughs> you heard that? Uh, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or say, rise and walk? See, for God, neither of these things are hard. But that you might know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, and this is where Jesus never says the words, I am God. He does in so many words, this is it. This is a moment where he, this is the I am God moment right here. Uh, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise Pick up your mat, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before him and picked up what he had been laying on. He had received, no, it, doesn't even, it doesn't call it a bed again. It doesn't call it a mat. It just says what he'd been sitting. It, that's no longer his foundation. And the big point in this is, uh, well, let's read the rest. And immediately he rose up, picked up what he had been laying on, and went home, glorifying God. Yeah. Um, and amazement seized them all. Good amazement and a scandalous amazement kind of embraced the Pharisees. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Dang right you did, because this guy didn't go in there and ask for Jesus to heal his needs. Jesus, like, what are you healing my legs for? Or what are you forgiving my sins for? I, I just want to walk again. Jesus sees the deeper need. Jesus sees the eternal need. Because this guy could have had his legs healed and still woke up in hell. But Jesus sees the deeper need. And look at the text before him. Those who keep crowding Jesus primarily, primarily want healing and help. And to hear. The text tells us too. None of them want forgiveness. When this is by far the greatest healing and help we need. 
Jesus sees that primary need. So Jesus, thank you for seeing that need in us. Thank you for what your word um, clarifies to us. Thank you for just allowing us access to this amazing story. It's more than a story. May our going, may our knowing about be go be knowing. And not that we know you, but that you know us. So we've heard the gospel today. You've adjusted the dials in our hearts. You've, you've, you've known us. That intimacy of knowing. May we be embraced by that this week as we, in here and now, as we, as we hear your word, may we be embraced by the knowing that we have. May our communion be, receive a new and deeper depth. Um, may, our, may our questions uh, seek answer in you with humility and not question as if criticized. May it be that we would not walk past those whom you walk to. And so grant us a, a humility of heart to walk to somebody uh, with your gospel locked and loaded. And I pray that you would keep your gospel fresh in our hearts. I pray this especially for the leadership here. Uh, and every day we need re- revitalized in it. We need, we need to know the gospel through and through it's the first thing that we need to remember and oftentimes the last thing that we do. So help us in your strength and in your grace and help us to be those people who are humbled and who walk towards love, dress and speak of the glories of our Savior, your person and your works. For your wonderful name we pray. Amen. All right, we went over a tad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>